Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to Future Tech Podcast. This is Juliet Lamar, your host, and I have with me today Himi Khan. He is the VP at Click. Welcome to the program, Himi. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I am really excited to hear about this AI platform. Absolutely. I think it's uh, it's, great. it's a groundbreaking uh, company we have. We're having a lot of traction in the market. We're doing a lot of great things with um, top institutions in the world, the financial institutions in the world, and um, happy to be on the call and share uh, some of our insights. So let's let's go ahead and just kick it off with you know a background about who you are and the company and what what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, my background is I'm the head of product at Clint, so I really work on figuring out the different use cases that are emerging in financial uh, in financial institutions worldwide uh, as they relate to conversational artificial intelligence and really understanding the emerging customer journeys that are happening in the market. And Clink is a company that was founded uh, uh, by, um, you know, the leading researchers in the space around conversational AI and systems uh, engineering as it relates to artificial intelligence. And so we've built a, an amazing platform over the last, you know, uh, one to two years that really uh, has changed the game in, in terms of how uh, customers of banks can interact with their banking platforms and really understand their financial journey. So it's been a really exciting time to deploy the product, uh, educate the market, and um, 
just in general, uh, be part of this, you know, multi-year, multi-decade um, trend towards, um, you know, having voice as uh, the, the major interaction layer between people and technology. All right, so that's your main interaction is if you're saying voice, voice recognition? That's right. So what are some of these groundbreaking AI technologies that you are implementing into services for people? Yeah, so uh, really, um, you know, um, a lot of companies in the last two or three years have been deploying chat technology within their stack primarily to be able to have their customers, you know, ask questions via text and get responses back. Um, and so, you know, typically banks use either um, third-party technologies or something that they've developed on their own. But whatever they use, they've used, they've used using legacy frameworks that uh, require you to do a lot of manual programming that require you to um, solve the problem with brute force and things like that. So what, we're, what we've done is built a completely data-driven approach where our AI, our machine learning models, really learn how to answer questions and learn the intent behind questions by being trained with examples and so uh, and being trained with hundreds of examples. And so what that means is we we train our, our brains by uh, real world data and that data uh, and, and doing it in that process ensures a much higher quality experience uh, versus what's available in the marketing market. And it's also a lot easier. It allows you know business analysts or engineers to be able to um, train our AI, which is something that's unheard of. And so those, those are things that we're doing and making it all easy to use and, and making it work really well within uh, existing deployments. So that's the overall um, kind of picture around how Clink um, has been, you know, providing a superior experience in the market. But really what it comes down to is that we understand what people will want to say better than anyone else on the planet. And that comes down to, um, you know, the, the actual um, neural networks that we deploy. It comes down to a lot of the research that we've spent, um, you know, in the lab and outside of the lab and, and making our experience better. So those are some of the reasons. And so we have demos on our website. We're happy to, you know, people just go to clinicplinc.com and you can go to the demo section. We have downloadable demos and you can really see our AI in action. So it's been a pretty wonderful experience for our customers. And you're, you're across many platforms. You are in the at-home things, such as Google Home, Amazon Alexa, um, Facebook Messenger, and on mobile, just to name a few, you know, what are what are you striving for? What is the goal of, of that in general? Yeah, well, so really, like, when people started taking um, digital conversations, so typically the way people have described when you go to a website or you engage with any um, online platform or mobile platform, you know, typically, People describe that as, as a digital digital interaction. And I think what's happening now in the market is that they're going to become digital conversations. And so technologies like ours have a key role to play in that and providing that conversational, uh, you know, not just, you know, one question, one answer, but having a dialogue um, that can span, you know, a minute with an AI or more, uh, and asking a question, getting an answer, and really, you know, talking to the AI as if it's a human in the room. But what's critical... Right, is to provide a unified experience across all endpoints so that when you go to, you know, Alexa or you go to, to your mobile and you engage the voice or you go, you know, through any endpoint, even if it's a kiosk, for instance, at a, at a branch, at a bank branch, when you speak, like you want to be able to understand, be able to be understood the same way across all these 
uh, endpoints. And internally, from the bank standpoint, or an institution standpoint, or an enterprise standpoint, you want to be able to work on one platform. That one platform serves every single endpoint, whether it's the home, or the mobile, or the web, or the social, or the automotive, or what have you, or the wearable, right? So what we do is we allow um, the enterprise to work on one platform. That platform is able to deploy the technology across all the different endpoints. And so typically what problem we've replaced is that any institution would have eight to ten different teams. They'd have a Facebook team, they'd have an Alexa team, they'd have a mobile team, a web team, you know, and so you'd have all these teams. You don't really need all those teams anymore. You just have one team that's the AI team, and the AI team would be able to essentially work on um, deploying that conversational um, experience across several platforms via APIs, so it would be a lot easier and a lot um, more efficient. And the overall uh, TCO, the total cost of ownership, would be lower versus kind of the way they've been doing it either internally or using some of the legacy vendors. So. That's kind of the, the idea behind the, the multiple-channel um, approach. Got it. Also, I know when you start going into, you know, the, the IoT, the Internet of Things, uh, security and having, having rapid responses that are secure is a concern for some people. You know, what are, what are some of the steps that you're taking to make sure that all of your AIs are secure? Yeah, so we really work with the most, uh, one of the most highly regulated industries in the, on the planet, that's that being financial services. Uh, and so, you know, customer confidentiality, customer security are um, are paramount, right, to to de delivering a, a a good experience. And so, what you know, typically our we work within the security protocols of the banks themselves. So we deploy um, on-prem. We also have cloud-based deployments, but the largest banks that we work with, they prefer an on-prem deployment. Our product uh, allows us to deploy on-prem pretty easily. And what that, what that allows us to do is really sit behind the bank's firewall. So we're not really exposing any data or anything like that. And then we actually don't even host the, the database data. We, 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 we were passed through type of mechanism where um, the customer request comes in. We determine what that means. Then we, you know, we reach out to the API endpoint and return it. But that's all done. On, prem, on premises, so uh, none of the data is actually leaving the bank's, you know, security perimeter, if you will. However, um, the other piece to that is that, you know, when we go to the mobile app, we were, uh, which is one of our, which is our primary use case, um, which is AI on the mobile app, we we function within the security protocol of the mobile app. So if you're, you know, Bank X and you have uh, the app of Bank X on your phone, we just you 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 authenticate into that app and then you uh, just press the voice button and be in our experience. But that would be within the actual app. So we don't we don't you know we're not providing a net new path to the bank. So you know we're we're operating within the existing confines and the existing protocols uh, that the bank already has established. So. And that way, all the security um, requirements are met. Okay, that's understandable. Um, I'm looking here on your website, and I'm looking into now the AI for finance. And you're using classification and slot value pairing. Can you kind of walk us through what that is? Yeah. So basically, when you train the when you train an AI, you need to basically do two things. One is um, when a question comes through, like you know, what is my balance? You have to really understand what that what the actual intent is, or it may not come that clearly. It could be Hey, how much money do I have? And so, or you know, how much cash do I have in the bank? How much dough do I have in the bank? You know, 
um, how liquid am I, or things like you know. So those questions all refer to what is my balance. So um, you know, classifying really revolves around classifying the different utterances into a specific what we call um, competency or a, or a, or a, uh, uh, an intent or a major intent or super intent. So it's really being able to classify different utterances into uh, you know what what does the actual user mean, and that thought value pairing really revolves around once you have an utterance like you know I want to know the balance in my account in my checking account. Thought value pairing really uh, allows you to figure out the you know the meanings behind different words and different types of word categories. So account has different categories: checking, savings, investment, etc. So it's really training the AI to know that these that there's something called an account and that there's different types of accounts. Um, similar to, you know, uh, what do you want to transfer? I'm going to try and transfer, you know, um, I want to transfer, you know, uh, I want to transfer, you know, oh, sorry, I want to, if you want to make a payment and you want to make a payment to your credit card or your, um, or your, um, or a bill or the type of bill, it's being able to actually um, describe what type of payment you're trying you're making. So those are two basic models, two basic things that allow us to make our NLU work really well. Excellent. So how did you get involved with Click? How, sorry, how did I get involved with Click? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, personally. Okay, so I'm a so prior to Click, I was at I was running mobile product management at a company called uh, FIS Global, which is a large um, spin products. Company and then before that, I was a startup called M Foundry, which developed the first mobile banking apps um, for financial services. Um, and so, uh, and part of that, I was in financial services as an investment banker and equity research analyst. So I've been in the space for several years, but really, uh, before I came to Clink, I was doing a lot of work in mobile product management. And what I realized was that uh, you know you had some very Big cycles like over the last three decades, right? You have the website, the, the internet cycle post Netscape, you have the mobile cycle kind of post iPhone, and um, now you're having the voice cycle or, or super cycle happening, which is really around um, the voice interaction layer. So the interaction layer changes every 10 years, 20 years, and so on and so forth, but we're entering into this multi decade um, trend where voice is really going to be the way you interact with everything you do. And so you know, there's a lot of like a lot of discussion around friction and you know less clicks. How about no clicks, right? Like so that's kind of where we're headed. And you're gonna be able to talk to your talk to your computer, talk to your phone, and we want to solve that problem really well. And we're starting out with the financial services sector to really showcase how we can do that. So that's kind of where then your ultimate goals. Tell me about looking into the future. No clicks, all voice. Um, are you looking to gestures at all? Gestures. Um, we don't or really think, some way that accessibility, I guess, for people who maybe can't uh, oh, okay. verbally tell something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, on the ADA, on the ADA compliance side, I think voice is pretty good because it doesn't allow you to, if you can speak, it doesn't allow you to, um, you know, touch anything. Um, on the gesture side, we haven't really, um, if you done anything, but put it this way, we have, if you, we, you know, we're chat as well as voice is fully enabled, so. If there are uh, improvements made in, in how you can touch a certain pad and be able to, you know, have that communicate into text and trans, you know, transfer into text or voice, well, we could totally um, uh, absorb that into our system. So it's not a problem for us. But we really haven't, you know, pondered into the, the into the uh, 
the the accessibility side that much, but only to the extent that voice is better than not having voice. And it's something that exactly. um, is a feature, yeah, the feature that we definitely need to have. Exactly. So where do you see the future, I guess, of this whole industry going with AI and its interaction with humans? Yeah. So I think, like, I think, I think, um, from a market perspective, there's a lot of you know companies out there. Um, you know, we're pretty unique in that we uh, we built our own technology stack from scratch. It's all our stuff. Um, we have you know, really, really excellent uh, human capital um, by way of our researchers. So we spent a lot of money on um, keeping our tech strong, not just, you know, growing the company. Um, so that's something that is very important that we think is going to lead to us being, you know, the market leaders in a few years. We are today, but not, um, you know, from a multi-vertical perspective, uh, meaning, you know, scale. And then... Um, so, so yeah, I think the future is really about educating the market. Uh, you know, we're roadmapped into several banks, the largest banks, the best banks in terms of, you know, who believes in this stuff, um, in terms of voice and the interaction model. So that's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. You're seeing the numbers, at least from the home side, with uh, Echo, you know, Alexa Echo, Google Home, and kind of the units which are north of 50 to 60 million heading into 2018 happening. So that's going to continue to happen. You don't really have a lot of data on voice on mobile in terms of from an enterprise standpoint, how much of your pizzas are being ordered by, you know, AI on mobile or AI elsewhere. So that's something that we're going to be watching out for. Also the, the auto, the AI and the auto and the auto experience is going to take off. We're working with some leading automakers, OEMs that are, that are, um, you know, taking this, into consideration because because you know you spend like you know I think on average six hours a week in your car depending on your commute so there's a lot of time that can be returned to you if you can get some high value stuff done in your car so we just see it growing we just see it growing everywhere we don't we don't really expect you to you know you know touch your phone that much in the next five years we expect you to talk to something or something just you know knows what you want based on some uh, prior programming, but really you're talking to things now and you're, you want to talk because it's a lot easier, but it's also um, kind of fun and, and something that we're, we're supposed to do from, from a biological uh, basis standpoint. So, you know, it's something that we think is, you know, probably more natural. Yeah, of course. I, I would prefer talking than texting or typing. Um, this is all a wonderful idea and, and it's, it's working. And, and I think people take for granted uh, the ability to talk to computers, like verbally speak to them, it's a hard technology. So what are some of the, the biggest hurdles and obstacles you've come into contact with and, you know, what problems have you conquered? Yeah, I think, um, so the big, the big, like, there's several um, issues. I think we've solved the actual voice issue and the, the NLU issue or the AI issue. I think we're pretty good. I think, I think what, for us, what becomes challenging is when you go into any business, particularly uh, one that employs, you know, over 50,000 people or whatever, um, and then has tons of, you know, databases. I think getting the data that um, is relevant and doing that and integrating that is, is the major challenge today because, you know, there's a separate um, problem that, or challenge in, in the U.S. enterprise, and that's really data availability and accessibility. And so what we found is that, you know, we can work on relatively limited data sets, but to get the richest experience, we'd want to have access to 
you know, everything the, the bank can have to offer the clients that they could offer a client in a branch via someone who's helping them live. So, so they're kind of linking all these systems up and integrating them. It takes time. Uh, it's not a, it's not an impossible problem, but it's a, it's a, it's something that does take time. So that's the, that's the biggest kind of hurdle we see. I think if we could solve that hurdle, we could come into enterprises a lot faster and deploy and get the proof points up, start running analytics on behavior and how people are behaving within the conversational uh, paradigm and just show how, how it's a superior value proposition to the bank in terms of, you know, uh, having a customer come in and be able to get an answer to a question under 10 seconds. You know, for instance, if it's asking about a check that check deposit they made and it's check number one, two, three, and they're like, did that get deposited? And if you go through the bank system, it probably takes, I don't know, if you call the IVR and call call center, it probably takes at least eight, eight to ten minutes, whereas you could probably get that in fifteen seconds if you did uh, if you work through our voice system. So that's something that we're um, we think can be solved. But to do that, you need the data problem resolved as well. And to have the AI be conversational. I know whenever I get a robot on the phone and I'm trying to accomplish something, a lot of times when the companies are not doing it properly, you as the as the user just get very frustrated because it repeats itself or it only has a certain amount of options, and it's not conversational. So I know it's a hard mm-hmm. technology to, to master there, be conversational AI. Um, so I'm glad that you are working on that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's very difficult. It's, it's something that you can do on your own. A lot of banks have tried. You know, one of our clients has spent, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of employees trying to do it, and we can do it um, using a team of five people and do it pretty well. So it's something that has come a long way pretty pretty quickly, and we're, uh, you know, leading that charge, uh, actually leading that charge by, by, by a lot. And the other thing is, like, this, some of the tech is available, not available, but there are, you know, the Googles in the world, the Amazons of the world um, have really good technology, but they just don't share it with anyone. They keep it in-house because it's, it's a competitive differentiator. But companies like us, which have technology on par or better than, than those guys, really uh, want to make that available to everyone so that they can, um, you know, start enjoying these new paradigms and, and making new customer journeys for their, for their you know, clients and users. Absolutely. So if a company comes to you and wants to use your service, what is the best way for them to connect to you and walk us through that process? Yeah, so typically we work um, with enterprises. Um, we, have a, we have an approach where we do a pilot um, and that's where, on the pilot, we you get to evaluate. You know, you get to evaluate us. We deploy on-prem or via cloud. Use one of the channels that you think is relevant to you, and for a set of you know types of questions or knowledge domains that you want us to work on. And so that would be the first step. That leads to um, uh, an extended pilot or an MVP type of engagement where. We'd work with 100, 1,000, 20,000 uh, number of users, and then post that we would go into full uh, blown production uh, deployment. So it's a three-step phase, and uh, yeah, you can just go to our website, reach out, reach out to me, himi at clinkclinc.com as well, and I can get connected to the right folks. I'll be working. I work pretty closely with customers as well because you know, um, you know, we, we only work with really serious people um, that want to. I really, really believe that voice is part of their um, their destiny in terms of what they want to provide their clients. 
And so I, I get pretty engaged as well with our customer uh, the development teams just to make sure there's customer success. Our uh, success rates on um, pilots are, are pretty close to 100%, and our win rates in competitive bake-offs are 100%. Um, so we've never lost a deal. We actually encourage competitive bake-offs um, uh, just because it's it's that apparent that we're better than everyone else. I, I just don't know how, how else to put it. But uh, that's kind of some facts that I can share with you. Wonderful. Well, everyone, the website for Click is clinc.com. This has been HemiCon. Thank you so much for, for joining us here today and giving us a little bit of insight into this exciting new technology. Awesome. Yeah, happy to be here and uh, feel free to reach out and look forward to touching base again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hemi. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you everyone for tuning in to Future Tech Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018. The Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, in their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.